0: Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us as we continue our family Bible studies in the Gospel of St. Luke. Today we are in Luke chapters 19 and 20, and we're going to be talking about life purpose and biblical prophecy for catholic youth and young adults. You know, I bet there's even a bunch of you out there never thought about putting those type of things together. Okay, we're going to organize some topics for a youth conference. What are we going to talk about? Sometimes you might hear something about life purpose and Probably never you'll hear about biblical prophecy, and yet these are two topics that should come to bear when you're trying to form young people to prepare for life in the world and set their direction in life. I have in my possession an early study done by the Barna Polling Organization. I hooked up with Barna even before most people ever heard about, the Barna Research Group. And I have in my possession an early study they did, which is just invaluable. It was a study on teenagers. And most studies, even the current Barna studies, tend to do polling about the teen years. But what this study did was broke the teen years up into different age categories because they discovered as a teen moves through the teen years, their wants, their desires, their motivations, their questions, and their challenges, they change. And so what they did is pull 13 and 14-year-olds and then right through the rest 14, uh, moving to 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds, and 18-year-olds. And it was very interesting that many of basically those categories would change from say like 13 to 18, quite a bit of difference. And some of the larger questions for a 13 year old or some of the needs or challenges weren't even present to any significant degree by the time they got to 18. But there was one single question that maintained its importance throughout the entire teen years and in fact, increased in importance from the progression from 13 to 18. Guess what that was? And I'm quoting, the challenge looming largest by far in the minds of teens is having life goals or life purpose. You know, a lot of adults project Uh, back on teens, what they're interested or what they need. And this is really, really good research that tends to be neglected because really this is prime time for the Christian faith because you really want to um, join together, marry if you would, a topic a truth of the Christian faith with a need and an interest. And if you find those two things coming together, you can really root the message in a young person's heart. Now, a lot of young people today uh, are forming what they call their bucket list, a bucket list of places to see and things to do. Um, (laughs) If you're really young, it's not before you die, but before you hit 25 years old or whatever. But A bucket list is kind of like uh, what adventures you want or something like that, but you want to go deeper. What's the life purpose? And today in Luke chapter 19, we read about Jesus encountering Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus was that guy who was a chief tax collector, kind of an outcast, really, kind of a scoundrel probably, but he wanted to see Jesus, and he was a short guy, and so this appears in a lot of CCD and Sunday school literature and children's books about Jesus because he was short. Most kids are short, so that's the last we hear of Zacchaeus, but really, this meeting between Jesus and Zacchaeus is highly appropriate for the teen years, and why is that? not because teens are short. Teens today seem to be exploding in height. But it's the last part of the paragraph that talks about the meeting with Jesus and Zacchaeus. It says in verse 9 of Luke 19, And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since also he is a son of Abraham. Now verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Another translation, which I taught my kids, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Have you ever thought about Jesus's mission statement? Not just bucket list. This isn't a thrill list. This is a life purpose list, Luke 19 10 is one of those places to get the to the heart of Jesus's mission. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. What was Jesus's mission? What was Jesus's life purpose? Because as we discover that, if we are Christians, that means we're disciples of Jesus, we're followers of Jesus, and we pattern our lives after Jesus. And just let me ask you, right up. How many Catholic young people are taught to at least include in their life purpose what is so clearly central right here in Luke 19.10? For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Are, Are we really, and let me just expand that how many Catholic adults are being challenged, that this is their responsibility, not just priest and religious, but no, every believer in Jesus, every follower of Jesus should follow what Jesus's passion was, what his life purpose was. It says in the prophet Ezekiel, a prophecy about the Messiah, who Jesus was, Ezekiel 34, thus says the Lord God, I I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered. And again in Ezekiel 34, I will seek the lost. And when Jesus said, for the son of man came, to seek, and to save the lost. He was fulfilling these prophecies. So, my question is that, are you dedicating your life with this purpose? And this is a central purpose, life purpose of Jesus. You Claim and profess to be a follower of Jesus is this part of your life purpose and again you might say well that's the job of the priest to do that really uh, I didn't really get that memo <laughs> that Jesus uh, we're just a, his followers are only to be priests and nuns and such no all of us are to follow in his footsteps and in many ways laity, can be just as effective or more effective than reaching the lost. I've said it several times on the broadcast, but it will bear repeating again. When we moved into our office here for the Family Life Center in Greenville, South Carolina, a little over a dozen years ago, uh, the upstairs really needed some work. It was a 55-year-old building, and things were very much in need of restoration. So we redid the whole thing. And I had a whole stream of contractors from every background, you know, drywall guys, electricians, and painters, and all kinds of things. And you know, that was probably, over the past dozen years, one of my best opportunities in Greenville to reach out to seek and to save the lost or the scattered sheep. Because why? Um, I'm not just dealing with Catholics uh, over the year who are very interested in their faith, but there's people who are having problems in their marriage, people who are having health problems. You know, one way you can simply reach out to somebody in need is to offer to pray for them. And I'm talking about say like uh, someone mentioned you say, "Well, how are you doing?" And most people say Good, great, fantastic, or as Dave Ramsey, you'll say, better than I deserve. But sometimes you'll hear, "Is um, okay," kind of with that tone, or, "I guess I'm doing all right." And then you can follow up. That's that's an invitation by many people not to be nosy and just say, "Is there anything that I could offer a prayer on your behalf for?" And they'll tell you of a sickness, of a situation in a family. Um, A lot of people write me, and I'm having, you know, I need prayer uh, for my marriage. I need work. Uh, My job is providing enough work and income for my family and offer to pray. That's a great way to extend the love of Jesus and to seek and to save what was lost. Um, Here's another great example. Racquetball. You think, what? What does racquetball have to do with Luke 19.10? It was interesting, Uh, one of my children in college called me and said, Dad, is it okay if I kind of reach out and invite some kids that are straying from their faith, from the way they were raised with their families, and uh, kind of invite them to play racquetball with me to, to kind of develop a friendship and just to see if I can kind of help them get back on track? I said, sure, and I said, you have no idea how grateful their parents will be, and they'll of course never know about it because we're just playing racquetball. Racquetball is a way to seek and to save what was lost. If you're in a medical practice, if you're in business, you're gonna meet people in the course of the day. You're gonna be in the parking lot of your parish and there's gonna be people needing the help of Jesus And just by your presence, your concern, and just say, I'll be praying for you the next 30 days for that need, Um, just to have the mentality that this is what Jesus is doing, therefore this is what I want to do. And if you want to do that, you make it your purpose to follow Jesus, to seek and to save that was lost, to reach out to the lost sheep, the straying sheep, the herding sheep. Jesus will give you plenty of opportunities to serve him in that way. Now, we're gonna come to a section in the Catechism of the Catholic Church that parents should really have a handle on. Uh, There's some sections of the Catechism that if you're a parent, you should put an asterisk by this short paragraph. It's that important. And before I get to the paragraph, I'm going to uh, step on a toe or two. I'm a Catholic radio guy, been doing it for quite a while, but I need to let you know that in the Catholic media, sometimes what you're hearing, as far as what young people need, is marketing versus careful research. That's why I like, I look at Pew, I look at Barna, I look at other statistics and people who have done careful research because I just don't wanna wing it or don't wanna market something that promises something particularly to parents, particularly to parents who might be parenting teens and young adults and finding challenging times. And and it really doesn't work at all. It's just marketing. If you buy this book, you do this and everything will be great. Be very careful about that. Now, and other things are good, but they're secondary. And so you don't want to be diverted. It's really good to keep your eyes focused on the main things, the big things, the primary things, and this is where we go to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, section 282, which says this. Where do we come from? Where are we going? What is our origin? What is our end? The two questions, the first about the origin, and the second, about the end, are inseparable. They are decisive for the meaning and orientation of our life and actions. In other words, your worldview, your life purpose, your direction in life, as well as your actions and your morality are going to be determined by having good, solid Answers to these two questions. And these two questions are not generally the things given to young people. There's some grand exceptions, but so often they are not. And you say, well, what difference does this make? Well, a worldview is determined like you have the beginning, our origin, you get that right, and I'll just say it point blank. If you're depending on theistic evolution, the theistic is just an adjective that gets dropped as they proceed through school and college and they end up with evolution and that's gonna wash out at the beginning. And then the question about what is our end, there's a lot of confusion and even more ignorance. And if you don't have those two things, you don't know what to do in the middle of the course of your life. Now, Barna, also in more recent days, has focused on the importance of what a worldview is. And a worldview kind of colors your whole life. And again, back to the catechism, that section 282 tells us that these two questions are the things that determine the basic meaning and orientation of our life. Well, Barna found out that if you had a worldview, a Christian worldview, like everybody's concerned with cohabitation today. And so almost all teens are given chastity talks to try to stop sex outside of marriage, cohabitation, and everything else. Listen to this. With a proper worldview, a young person is 31 times less likely to engage in cohabitation. 31 times. Now, I'll just tell you straight up, some great book about this and that chastity or theology of the body will do good, but not do nearly as good a job as this primary outlook on life. That's why there's 31 times less likely to accept cohabitation. What about the latest concern for parents? And that's homosexual relations, Um, both the approval of it and then young people engaging in it. Well, it's 15 times less likely to accept homosexual relations if there is a solid worldview. And Barna found that moral behavior, listen very carefully because this is a lot cheaper and a lot of expensive resources. Moral behavior is much more influenced by worldview than by Christian doctrinal beliefs. This is why you really strengthen it. And If you want to hear my view of the Catholic spiritual formation of youth for the first of those two categories in sections 282 of the Catechism, you can go online and and find episode 195 of Faith and Family, where I deal with that whole question, and it's not a very high grade I would give most Catholic spiritual formation. And remember, this is going to affect morals more than teaching doctrinal beliefs, because your whole orientation, if it's off kilter and you add a little teaching about beliefs on top of it, it's still going in the wrong direction. Now, this is what brings us to today, and I claim, and challenge me on it, but uh, I claim that a majority of Catholic youth don't know where they're going, okay? That's the second of the two worldview life-direction, life-meaning questions that are presented to us in section 282 of the Catechism. Now, many Catholic youth are told about the four last things—death, judgment, heaven, hell—and I don't know how many even remember that, but remember, those four last things are like an outline of the last things, and by themselves, don't tell you too much about the consequences of what's involved in those four last things. I'm doing a companion radio broadcast entitled Luke 21 Radio, and I started out with Paul's letters to the Thessalonians, First and Second Thessalonians, a total of 7.5 pages, and yet in those 7.5 pages, I found 10 essential last things taught by St. Paul. And if you just mention death, judgment, heaven, hell, some of those important last things don't even come up on the radar. And even further, I dug in to First and Second Thessalonians and 17 items I found that are very important to know Just by studying these 7.5 pages. Now, are these pages uh, talked about? No. In Catholic youth groups? Generally, no. Uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 is probably the most packed section of scripture for biblical prophecy in the whole Bible. And when it really gets to the gist of what's going on, things like the great apostasy, the Antichrist, warnings about the end times, it's zipped from the lectionary in the United States. No one will ever hear about it. So, somebody might say, but well, you know, they're just not interested in the biblical prophecy stuff. Well, really? Uh, this is where I look back to our evangelical Protestant friends. There's a Protestant TV network called TBN, the Trinity Broadcasting Network, and of course, they're losing viewers, and so what they did is threw off a second channel, which is actually a good uh, strategy, trying to reach 25 to 45-year-olds. And guess who the most popular teacher is amongst 25 to 45-year-olds? It's a 75-year-old prophecy teacher. Hmm, there's another guy doing YouTube broadcast on biblical prophecy and things related to the end times in the Bible. 42% of this man's viewers are 13 to 17 years old. There's an inherent desire amongst human beings to know what's ahead and where we came from. And if we do that, we can get a sense of where we are. Now, In Luke 19, right after Luke 19, 10, verse 11, uh, it says, as they heard these things, Jesus proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. And then he told a parable of a nobleman who goes into a far country to receive a kingdom and then return. This is a parable about Jesus, the far country, his he goes to the throne room of heaven, receives the kingship of the world, and then his return is the second coming. But what happens in the parable, and I'll spare you all the details, is that as the various servants, you know, some received so many talents and multiplied them, but one sad fella said, no, I just buried it. I buried what you gave me. And I'm paraphrasing here, but I buried the life you gave me. I buried the skills you gave me. I buried the purpose that I should have had as a Christian following Jesus to extend his kingdom, to reach out to the lost sheep, and I just buried it. And that is fatal because you've just lost your purpose. And when people lose their purpose, I'm gonna jump ahead, I'll tell you exactly what happens. Luke 21, which we're coming up to, Jesus said, take heed to yourselves, because this is what happens when you just bury your talent. You're just living for yourself, you don't have a real good orientation of where you came from, where you're going, so you don't know what you're really to do here. And he says, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation drunkenness and the cares of life, that that day, when he comes back, comes upon you suddenly like a snare, for it will come upon all who dwell on the earth. But watch at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things. And this is exactly what Advent is about. And I must say, I mean, I'm sitting here in a radio studio shaking my hand you know, it has become extremely difficult to consider those really important scriptures in Mass leading up to Advent and then during the Advent season. The church has very, very wisely given us a season of of time to reflect, yes, on the Advent, which means coming, the first coming of Jesus, but more important, on the second coming. And were to watch and pray particularly during this time because of the cares of life drunkenness dissipation burying your talent in the ground and spending your life looking for black friday deals instead of looking for the second coming of jesus and having a life purpose to engage in in the here and now i dare say that uh, and i'm not i'll put myself right in it and most of my fellow Americans who even love Jesus, we are living in a very confusing time, very difficult to get our orientation, and I think if we spend some time, we're going to try a little bit of this in the next episode, because this is essential for young people as well, is to look ahead to where we're going, look back at our origin, and then do some evaluation okay, Uh, what am I doing here? I can remember I was teaching an underground Bible study in an underground coffee shop here in Greenville. A bunch of young people were going through some scriptures. I was teaching them, and part of the deal, we would order coffee and tea from the coffee shop um, to support the free space we got for our Bible study. And I can remember one night, I was kind of going on, and I said to the young people, what are you doing here? What's your purpose? Do you think you just appeared by chance? Don't you think there's any reason you're here in this earth? And it was interesting, the waiter <laughs> just stuck his head around and he was like frozen like the deer in the headlights because those are the questions that are the key to living a life on purpose rather than just dissipating ourselves in endless maybe fun pursuits, but don't bring the life satisfaction of living life on purpose. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 265 of Faith and Family Radio. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to order copies of Faith and Family Broadcasts and to learn more about Catholic family life.